Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey guys, good morning. Yeah, everybody doing great today? Um, You're in for a really special treat. Uh, You get to watch me roll across the stage. No, Um, we uh, are super excited to have uh, our, our friends Craig and Laura with us today. Uh, and uh, if you've been here for the last few weeks, you might have heard us talk about this, but you, this may be, be, might be your first time. Uh, this series has been called Glad You're Here. And we've been saying, hey, this, that's the attitude the church wants to have, is that we just want to say we are really glad you're here, and we really are. We think that God says that to us, that he invites us in, he invites us to be close to him. Uh, but it was also based on the title of a book that uh, Craig Allen Cooper wrote, and we've been sharing with you this whole series, and I hope that you'll grab a copy. It's free. I hope you'll grab a copy. We still have copies in the lobby uh, when you finish. But really, Liz and I kind of came across their story and the music around it and this book and the story between Craig and Walker Hayes, country music star Walker Hayes. They wrote this book together about this amazing relationship that they had and how God used Craig to lead Walker to Christ. He's going to talk about that some this morning and share from his heart. Uh, Craig, not, Walker's not here, but Craig is here, and uh, and we're super thrilled to have him, and they've just become uh, friends. And so uh, I think that you're in for a real treat and some encouragement today uh, as we continue this series called Glad You're Here. And so will you guys give like a huge, fun, love, like Norman, welcome to Craig Allen Cooper. Yeah. Oh, man. Love you. So glad to be here. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray for us and uh, and and get out of here and let Craig speak to us. Um, God, thank you so much for loving us. Thanks for what you're doing in uh, in in this church and in our lives, and uh, what you're doing in Craig and Laura's life. We pray your blessing on his words today. We know that you're uh, speaking to us, God, and in so many amazing ways. And and so I pray that you would encourage us this morning, Lord, uh, in in uh, what you want for our church, what you want for each of us whether we're coming from a place where we have a deep commitment and connection to you and a relationship with you, Jesus, or whether we're just exploring today and and maybe finally opening up a little bit to who you you are, God. I pray you'd speak to us clearly. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you. (laughs) I said, if I make it back to Nashville without a broken ankle or Achilles heel torn, I'll be happy because of Ethan and Gerald. Um, Man. It is such a joy and a pleasure and a privilege and really an honor to be with you all. This church is amazing. And whether you were here six years ago uh, and you helped, how many of you were here at the very, very, very beginning six years ago? Loved it. Wow. Can we just thank God for these these people? Um, Or if this is your first time. You know, if this is your first time, uh, you're in good company because it's my first time too. So so we'll do this together. But I I will tell you, this is just, it warms my heart um, to be be with you. And it's been such a a pleasure to talk with Gerald and Liz, um, to get to know some of the leadership of the church, uh, to hear your heartbeat for this community. And God is with you. 
the Lord is here. Uh, isn't this a beautiful facility that two, two weeks in, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, so um, it's incredible. I want to ask you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. Uh, here's what we're going to do. I, I want to share a few comments uh, initially just about uh, the invitation to come here. Glad you're here and uh, the, the kindness that, that has been extended to me through Gerald and the team here. Uh, and then we're going to look at this passage in Matthew 9, and we're really going to explore who Jesus says he is, why Jesus said he came, and what that means for all of us. And if you are exploring Christianity, you're exploring your faith, um, it is just so wonderful. On the website of Love Lake Norman, it says, you know, the, a church where you can belong before you believe. And so you, you can do that comfortably here. Explore the deep things of life, complicated things of life, in an environment uh, where you can ask questions, where you can, ex- can look into the scriptures and, 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 and just see, who is this Jesus and what did he say? Um, so let me go back and start with, uh, I'm blown away that you're going through a series called Glad You're Here. And um, for any of you all who have read the book, sharing our story, mine with uh, my best friend Walker Hayes, and just what God has done in both of our lives through the gift of friendship. Um, Thank you. It's an honor uh, that you would take the time to open up a book. I know a lot of people don't read, and I've heard a lot of people say, I don't read at all, but I read that book. Um, And I I, I really appreciate it. Um, If you don't know the story, I'll just give you a a, a quick 30,000-foot flyover uh, on it. My wife and I moved to the Nashville area in 2012 to help plant a church called Redeeming Grace. Um, my desire in that was to see people come to saving faith in Christ. I had heard the gospel as a college freshman at the University of Tennessee, and um, God radically changed my life. And my passion is the advancement of the gospel and the strengthening of the church for the glory of Jesus alone. And so we said, well, we want to move to the Nashville area, um, it, we, we were moving to a place called Franklin, just south of Nashville. And honestly, I did not realize, you know, a lot about Nashville uh, when I moved there. I, and I could go into those details. But anyway, we met some good friends, uh, Walker and Laney Hayes and their family, at a basketball uh, event for our kids, my son, and a few of their kids, and Lara invited Lainey to come to church that night. We were meeting on a Saturday night, uh, because that's the only way we could get into, you know, a a building. Uh, At the time, we had probably 20-something people uh, that were coming, and Lainey said, yeah, we'd love to come. And so I had met Walker briefly at the basketball there, and then we really met at church, and he says, I don't even remember this, but he says the first three words out of my mouth were, glad you're here. Um, They had said they were going to come. Some people say that, and then they don't show up, right? How many of you have invited people who have said, yeah, I'm coming, and they don't come? Well, they 
they said they were going to come. They came. Uh, my heart was warmed, uh, and you know, I said, apparently, I said, "Glad you're here." He felt it. We started a a deep friendship of dinners at our house, their house, uh, spending time together at each other's kids' basketball games and baseball games, and just fast friendship. We found out when he 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 was there for music, lost a record deal. Uh, and he had a sponsorship for a, a vehicle, lost the vehicle. With that, they impounded it, took it away. We let him borrow our, our van whenever we would travel and go out of town. And then when I came back, I always felt bad for taking it back. And so at one point, just said to Lara, I really feel like the Lord wants us to give, a, give him the van. And so we prayed about it, and God provided for us to get a used vehicle to replace ours. We fixed ours up, we gave him a van. A couple years later, he wrote a song about that. And he wrote it the same time he wrote another song called You, you Broke Up With Me. And that went top 10, and it got put on that same album. That song was never intended for anybody but me and Lara. It was just um, a thank you note from a friend. He, the most remarkable thing about it was when Walker wrote the song, he was not a believer. He was a, a professing, avowed atheist. He didn't want to even say the name Jesus, didn't want to have anything to do with church. Um, you know, when they came, he would hold his daughter outside. Uh, unless I was preaching, and because of our friendship, he would come in. And, and so the Lord, through that, began to really soften his heart and um, we were, we, we did it in secret, we kept it in secret, and the Lord had other plans for it, and he, he, he's brought it out. Now, um, Walker has come to faith in Jesus, is living his life for the glory of Jesus, and he's, he sings that song in a different way, um, and that's our story. If you read Glad You're Here, you're going you're gonna to hear the tale from that. So those are comments about that. Um, I want to take you to Matthew 9. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew 9, because this is really the heartbeat behind, you know, glad you're here, and our, our, our relationship uh, with the Hayes, or really with anybody for that matter, and you see so much about Christ here. But I want to read you, um, this is, an account recorded in the police log of Sarasota, Florida, as, as kind of an opening illustration for what we're about to read. An elderly Florida lady did her shopping, and upon returning to her car, she found four males in the act of leaving with her vehicle. She dropped her shopping bags, drew her handgun, proceeded to scream at the top of, lung, of her lungs, I have a gun, and I know how to use it. Get out of my car! The four men didn't wait for a second threat. They got out and they ran like mad. The lady, somewhat shaken, then proceeded to load her shopping bags into the back of the car and get into the driver's seat. She was so shaken that she could not get the key into the ignition. She tried and tried and tried, and then she realized why. It was for the same reason that she had wondered why there was a football, a frisbee, and two 12-packs of beer in the front seat. A few minutes later, she found her own car parked four or five spaces farther down. She loaded her bags into her own car and drove to the police station to report her mistake. 
The sergeant to whom she told the story could not stop laughing. He pointed to the other end of the counter where four pale men were reporting a carjacking by a mad elderly woman described as white, less than five feet tall, wearing glasses, curly hair, curly white hair, and carrying a large handgun. It says, no charges were filed. What a woman, right? <laughs> Don't mess with this grandma. Um, you know, sometimes we make mistakes in judgment. Sometimes we make accusations when no charges should be filed. Sometimes we've just got it wrong in terms of our, our judgment. And this morning, that's what we're going to look at, is a moment where Jesus is essentially accused of wrongdoing. And in fact, he's doing exactly what he came to do. He's in the right vehicle. No charges should be filed. And we have a whole lot to learn from this account of Jesus. So look with me, Matthew chapter 9. If you are turning in your Bibles, that's in the New Testament, about two-thirds in. It's the first gospel, and, or we'll put it up on the screen as well. So let's do that, Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came, and they were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. This is God's Word. The controlling idea, the main thrust of this passage, what we see that Matthew's communicating about Jesus and through Jesus' words himself, is that the real Jesus desires to extend mercy. The real Jesus desires mercy. Jesus is on a mission of mercy. That's why he came. And so the title of this message this morning is A Merciful Community. I know from talking with Gerald that this is the kind of community that Lovelake Norman wants to embrace. This is the kind of community that you have. And the Lord wants to just fan it into flame to affect this entire area and fill this building with people who apprehend and experience 
mercy from Jesus himself. So we're going to look at the passage under the three headings. First, who Jesus is, and then why Jesus came, and then finally, what this means for us. Who Jesus is, why Jesus came, what this means for us. So first, who Jesus is. Look down at verse 11 and 12. It says, When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher... You hear, do you hear how they're distancing themselves from Jesus? They're saying, Your teacher. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. See how they call him teacher? Jesus was a teacher. the greatest teacher that's ever lived. He's way more than a teacher. Jesus also was the Savior. And he reveals himself here as the great physician of our souls. Jesus is the great physician. He is the Son of God. If you look back to Matthew chapter 1, if you have your Bibles open, look at verse 21 here. Um, it says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came as the physician of souls to save us from our sins. That's what it's saying here. Now, let, I, I want to ask, are there any doctors in the room? Any physicians in the room? Raise your hand. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so how ridiculous would it be to spend all of the financing and the time and the energy and the effort on the training of your practice only to stay away from anyone who could benefit from your practice, right? That's the logic that Jesus is, is, is using here. He's saying, he's essentially saying that, as a, that a physician must enter into the world of the sick in order to heal anybody. And just as a physician must enter into the world of the sick in order to heal anybody, so the Son of Man, what's he do? He eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners in order that he can bring his mercy to that table of grace for them. And so I, I want to zoom out here um, as if we were looking at Google Maps, you know, just on, on our phone. So you kind of get the context of the passage um, and just note where it is. And so this would, be, or, or let's think of it this way. It's kind of like a, a drone where we, we're just going to throw a drone up on this passage and get an aerial view. So, you know, we, we, we're in Cornelius right now. Is that right? So we were in Davidson uh, yesterday. What a lovely town. What an amazing place. Um, Huntersville is, is right here, right? M Morrisville and uh, Lake Norman. What a beautiful area that you all have. It's just amazing. So let's get an aerial view in chapters, just in chapters 8 and 9. You can, you can look all over, but let me, let me just walk through this where you see Jesus on a mission of mercy. So uh, chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, Jesus heals a leper, and he does it by touching the leper. 
So when Jesus touches the leper, the leprosy leaves. He doesn't get leprosy. That's what happens. And then you look in chapter 8, verses uh, 5 to 13. He heals a paralyzed servant of a centurion simply by speaking, which is amazing. And then he heals Peter's mother-in-law from from a fever right after that. He heals all of the sick who were brought to him with various ailments, uh, chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. And then you see he calms a storm, chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. But he, he calms a storm. Peace, be still. And then he heals two demon-possessed men, casting out the demons, chapter 8, verses 28 to 34, and then he heals a paralytic. And he pronounces the forgiveness of the man's sins. And they, the Pharisees, and the same kind of people who are over here going, why are you eating? Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They say, who can forgive sins? But God alone. Who does this man think he is? Well, he's God. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus came in the likeness of sinful man, though no sin, so that he could live the perfect life that you and I could never live, and at the end of his life, die on a Roman cross as a substitute for our sins, to receive in full the fury and the wrath that we deserve, so that we could be forgiven completely and be granted the gift of eternal life. That's why I flew over here. I want to tell you the good news. It's the greatest news in the world. And I remember, you know, I'll go back to Walker, my my good friend Walker, who now, man, you can't find somebody who's on fire. Uh, He loves Jesus. Um, He said, I I remember when he was wrestling, you know, through all of this stuff and, and didn't want to say anything about the name of Jesus. So I, that's why he didn't put the name of Jesus in the song that he wrote uh, called Craig. But I, he always encouraged me anytime I would speak or preach and, or write anything. And I was confused by that. At one point, we were sitting at Stony River. I remember I asked uh, with Walker and Laney and me and Laura, we were sitting there and he's encouraging me. Uh, Man, you need to go. You need to, you need to write this. You need to share this. And I was like, Hey, dude, can you help me understand something? He's like, yeah, what? I was like, you don't believe the gospel. You don't believe in Jesus, and yet you encourage me every time I preach it. I don't get that. Can you help me understand? You know what he said? He said, I know you believe it. And... If it is true, there's the curiosity there. It's the greatest news in the world. And everybody on the planet needs to hear it. He said that to me as an atheist. Not far from the kingdom of God. Right? Woo! (laughs) Oh, Lord. Um, 
Y'all, the gospel is the greatest news in the world. And here's what I'm saying. I don't know where you are. I don't know what your religious background was, your spiritual background. I don't know how you got here this morning, if it was just an invitation from a neighbor or a friend or a coworker, um, or you've been coming for a while and exploring. But here's what I can tell you. You can have eternal life. You can be fully and freely forgiven of everything wrong you have ever done. Lord, bring it to their minds right now so they see what they need to be forgiven of. You know, you know, you're, you, you know that you're not perfect. You know that you haven't. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but are justified. That means declared in a right state with God, freely by His grace, through the redemption that comes through Christ Jesus. So, if that's you this morning, I, I remember when I first understood and heard the God. It was October 26, 1995. College campus, on an evening, somebody sang a song, and then a guy had printed out John chapter 3, and he put it on all of our seats. And we're reading it, and it's about the story of Jesus' conversation with a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night probably because he was a little uh, apprehensive to be seen with Jesus. And he was curious, and he was asking Jesus questions. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born in the Spirit. Nicodemus, you must be born again. Life from above. God giving you new life. And then the gentleman, I had grown up going to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, every Wednesday night. I was a leader in the youth group. I was valedictorian in my high school. Um, and... I was so far. I did not have a relationship with God at all. It was all religion. That's what, when Jesus says here, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, what the sacrifice portion is our own religious rituals, our own ways of us trying to figure out how we can be good enough to be just okay enough where we can live our life the way we want to live it and then still, you know, have eternal life. It's this, it's the, it's the religion. Um, and Jesus said, and that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were all about checklists. I did this, I did that fast twice a, a week. I, I give, you know, these things. I've got parts of, of the Torah memorized or what, you know, they... They were check, checklists, you know. And Jesus comes in and goes, you are missing the point completely if you're upset about me eating with tax collectors and sinners. Because I desire mercy. And not sacrifice. I get my sense of okayness by what I have or haven't done. No, it's about what, who Jesus is and what he has done for us. 
And so we'll zoom back down into the passage, and you see that, that here, here you go, Matthew's a tax collector. He worked in Capernaum, where Jesus based his ministry. So no doubt, Matthew had heard of Jesus' works. Matthew had heard Jesus teach. He had probably seen some of these miracles, and he's sitting at a tax collector booth. A tax collector was the most despised profession of the time. And these, these people were seen as traitors by, by the Jewish people because they worked for Rome and they collected taxes from the Jews and they made their money off the commission, whatever the difference was. So there's a ton of corruption. The Romans didn't care as long as they got their money. And no doubt, Matthew was hated by his community. He probably even hated himself and he was being used by the Roman government, despised by his people. But what happens? He was called by Jesus. Jesus turns to Matthew and says these two amazing words. Follow me. Do you know how surprising that would have been to Matthew? You know what he did? Where are you going? That, that's what he did. Immediately he got up and he rose and he followed him. And then you know what he did? He threw a party for all of his buddies who were also despised. And, and he's like, hey, I don't get it, but Jesus wants to hang. And he, won't, he, won't, he wants to do a dinner party at my house. And if he had text message, and he had Instagram, and he had Facebook, and he had Twitter, and he had TikTok, he was on everything telling everybody, hey, uh, like, Jesus is going to be at my house. And you're invited. Woo! Isn't that crazy? It's amazing. Follow me. Now, I, I just want to encourage you that those two words were not just for Matthew. Those two words are for everybody in this room. And you may feel unworthy of it. You may feel like, well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've said. You don't know my private life. Well, yeah, he does. He knows it all. And he comes in mercy. And he says these two words. Follow me. And I'm convinced that the greatest thing that we can do with our lives here on earth is to heed that call. To get up. To find out where Jesus is going. And join him in that mission. And that invitation is for you. What does it look like? What do I do? You can, you can just say, Lord, I'm in. He does, it doesn't have to be this massive, you know, how do, how do I do this? You just say, Lord, I recognize that I'm a sinner, that you are the Savior, that you're merciful and that you're calling me, and I'm in. That is a phone call you don't want to ignore. That's not one you want to put on silent. 
Don't let that go into your voicemail. Pick it up. And if you sense that right now, it doesn't matter what age you are. You know, you could be a kid, and this is your October 26, 1995, for me. This is the moment where you realize, I cannot earn favor with God, but I can receive it through Jesus if I humble myself and, and follow Him. That's who Jesus is, a great physician. Now, we'll go through these two quicker. Why Jesus came. Verse 13, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So, why did Jesus come? First, we've got to see why He didn't come. He did not come to call people who think they got it all together. That's not his audience. He came to call those who see their need to call sinners to himself. Well, first of all, you've got to see that you are a sinner. That you've got to see that all your religiosity cannot... Uh, you, if you go by that, you've got to be a hundred. You got to get a hundred percent. You can't do anything wrong. You know that's why the, the, the individual said to Jesus, "Good teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God?" And he says, "You know, first of all, why do you call me good?" And he goes, "You know the you know the commandments: do not murder, do not commit adultery." Do not, he goes through them, and the guy says, "All of these I've kept since my youth," which was not true. Because Jesus goes into the heart. He says, you know, you've heard it. It said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that if you look upon a woman with lustful intent, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Anyway, if you, you, he did say, keep all the commandments and you'll have life. That's one way. If you want to be absolutely perfect, you can ha- have eternal life. The problem is, Adam and Eve sinned, we inherited a sinful nature, and ain't none of us doing it right. We've all fallen short. So now you need, we need a substitute. And that's the only way. And the brilliance and the glory of the gospel, out of God's love, he sends his son. So God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And so now... If we receive um, by faith in Jesus, we get his perfect righteousness. And he takes all of our sin. And it's a great exchange. And that's what it means to be justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Woo! Just as if I'd always perfectly obeyed. Christ's righteousness, clothed in his righteousness. And now, the Lord welcomes us in to his presence. That gift, it's a gift. That gift is available for everyone in this room. That's a gift you want to take. I plead with you to just enjoy it. Follow, follow my friend, Walk. Do that. You know what he said to me? We were at a sushi restaurant. And he said, I got something to tell you. And I said, what, what, what's going on? I thought it was about tour or something like that because things had changed. And he goes, I, I believe. And I said, well, you believe? What do you mean, what do you believe? He said, I believe all of it. 
And I said, are you saying that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that you want to live your life for his glory? He said, that's exactly what I'm saying, bro. And I got up and gave him the tightest bear hug that I have ever given. And then I excused myself, went into the restroom of the sushi restaurant, fell on my knees, bawling and worshipped. Uh, and now I have a brother in Christ. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Um, I have not done a good job managing these notes. Um, <laughs> let me say this. Uh, Jesus says, I came not to call the righteous for sinners. What's he do? Look at verse 10. As Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came. They were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Notice the posture at this dinner party. Reclining. Isn't that amazing? The real Jesus made broken people feel comfortable in his presence. The real Jesus made sinners feel safe in his mercy. Isn't that incredible? And that's what he wants for us, too. How's he do it? Well, he's, here's a meal. Listen, a meal is a mercy. A meal's a mercy. And I want to encourage you that your open doors, like Matthew's, reflect his open arms. And Every one of us can do this. Church, Love Lake Norman, the, uh, it's so simple. <laughs> you just fling your door open wide and invite unbelievers to dine at the table of grace with you. No judgment, no, no you know, criticism, just mercy, just grace. And let the Christ in you rub off on the curiosity in them about who Jesus says he is, why he came, and watch what only God can do. And what will happen is your mouth will drop. And you'll go, Lord, I prayed. I begged you for stuff. I asked for some ridiculous things. But I did not see that coming. Glory to God. Uh, Walker and I got matching tattoos um, last week in Kigali in Rwanda. It's, it says Isaiah 42.8, which is in Kenya, Rwanda, and it, means, it stands for Isaiah 42.8. It's my life verse. And, and this is where I go anytime the song Craig comes on. This is like when you, you played it in the 60-second break. Where my mind goes is Isaiah 42.8. What does that say? I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Every grain of glory and every ounce of praise for anything good that happens in our lives, in my life, in Love Lake Norman, belongs exclusively to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's what it's all about. And when we come under that, and we say, Lord, I'm in. I just want to tell people about 
How glorious you are. How gracious you are. How merciful you are. How good you are. Amen, Lord. Amen. Amen. Then you're going to have to get bigger buildings. (laughs) Because the Lord says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so Lake, love like Norman can, can say to all who are weary and need rest, to all who mourn and long for comfort, to all who have failed and desire strength, to all who feel worthless and wonder, could God care? To all who have sinned and need a Savior, this church opens wide her doors with a warm welcome from Jesus, the mighty friend of sinners, the ally of his enemies, the glorious, merciful God to the undeserving. Jesus came to save sinners. And there is so much hope for every sinner in this room because that's why God sent him. That's why Jesus came. And that's what the Holy Spirit is highlighting in the world today. Exalting the Lord Jesus Christ for the glory of God the Father. Y'all, that's where it gets thrilling. Jesus is merciful. And we're going to end with this last one. What does this mean for us? Very simple. Look at verse 13a. He says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. God is merciful and he desires for us to promote that mercy. I love this quote from Matthew Henry. To promote the conversion of souls is the greatest act of mercy imaginable. (laughs) To to promote the conversion of souls, y'all, that's the greatest act of mercy imaginable. How can you do that? Well, whenever you befriend an unbeliever, Let's start there. Find some unbelieving friends. Where do I find them? Well, I, we spent Mondays at a place called McCreary's, an Irish pub. Uh, Walker started that <laughs> and then brought all his buddies. Um, you know, whatever, you know, obviously don't do that if alcohol is an issue. Don't. Don't do that. I, ha- I have relatives who are in AA, uh, and you know, Walker would say he, he is as well. He doesn't do that anymore. I'm saying go find where unbelievers are and you know, go, get into their world, invite them into your home, and, then, and, and invite them to this church. Uh, wh- how do you do that? Three words. Come and see. Hey, y'all going to church anywhere? Uh, this incredible church, Love Lake Norman, we got a new building. Would you come and see? That's, that's how the gospel spreads. So here you go. Three points. Enter in, invite along, and join together. Enter in. Get into the world of the lost. A mission of salvation cannot be achieved by staying in respectable company. God's priority is costly love rather than careful ritual. Woo! That's good. Invite along. Come and see. Join together. Last quote, and I'd like to invite the band, the worship team, to join. Here we go. 
This is Elton Trueblood. Much of the uniqueness of Christianity and its original emergence consisted of the fact that simple people could be amazingly powerful when they were members one of another. As everyone knows, it's almost impossible to create a fire with one log, even if it's a sound one, while several poor logs may make an excellent fire if they stay together as they burn. The miracle of the early church was that of poor sticks making a grand blaze of fire. That's the church. That's the church. And Love Lake Norman, you have the greatest news in the world. And we are commissioned to share it. What a joyful thing that is. Like, hey, you can go share this good news. Let's do it. Let's join arms with what the Lord's doing. And let's see what only God can do. I want to pray, um, and then we're going to sing. And thank you for hanging. If you, are, if you know that you walked in this room and you're an unbeliever, you were an unbeliever when you walked in, maybe it was that you have... had the ritual of religiosity, but no relationship with the Lord. Maybe you would say, I'm a Christian, but you really don't know Jesus. It's been, everything's from afar. This is your moment. This is your moment when you can say, yes, Lord. I want to follow you. If that's you... I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that right now as we pray. And you can just join me in this prayer. Lord, I recognize that I am a sinner. Lord, I confess my sin to you. Right now you can be specific. What are you most ashamed of? What are you struggling most with. He already knows. Just tell him you know that that's sinful. And then say, Lord, thank you for revealing yourself to me as the Savior. Lord, I put my full faith and confidence in you and I ask you to save me from my sins and fill me with the Holy Spirit and use my life for your glory Lord I pray for everybody who that resonated with who prayed that prayer Lord seal it with the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the joy of the full forgiveness of sins do what you did in me in October 26 of 95 and, and just light their souls on fire. Give them the grace to share that with someone they love. And Lord, I pray for love like Norman. Bless this congregation. Thank you for Gerald Law. Thank you for Liz. Lord, thank you for Philip. Thank you for the team here. May the glory of God Extend far and wide from this 
body of believers and let it ring out to every area around Lake Norman. And let us see you do what only you can do. And we promise, Lord, we commit that we will give you the glory for it. We'll say, you're the Lord. That is your name, your glory you give to no other, no church, no person. But Jesus the Christ. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's all for Jesus. Lord, do amazing things and we will honor you. In Christ's name we pray. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.